The latest Back in the Box podcast is a tribute to Nate Sterling, a beloved son, brother, friend, colleague, mentor, sibling, nephew, grandson, boyfriend, one of the warmest, most generous, funniest, most inspiring, most driven, most talented people you could wish to meet. He was taken from us on Friday, the 26th of March, but he'll live with us forever. We wanted to take some time to come together as a group, to process, talk, smile, laugh, cry, share the joy and the wholesomeness and the fulfillment that Nate spread around to everyone who met him. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to everyone for the support. And hopefully you take something from this podcast too. This is for you, Nate. Welcome to another Black in a Box. You'll all know by now, Nate's no longer with us. And we just wanted to get get together um, as a podcast and just record something for you guys. Hopefully take something from this and sharing some of these memories and glad to be back recording and glad to have you with us we're all here angelo you good i mean yeah 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 i'm good i'm good absolutely it's i mean it's 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 the circumstances dictate the answer to that yeah i sort of led you down the path there dom's with us yes yes i think yeah to echo what angelo said we were at the funeral asking each other that question and all of us were lying and saying yeah we're all right but it's been a a, a rough what six seven weeks but getting there getting there slowly and alana hello yes um it's weird it's weird to be you know human and to have uh <laughs> multiple layers of emotion um existing in your your body at one time but this is the human condition so you know it is what it is but happy to be here still yeah i mean it's it's been it's been a minute since we since we were all together in the in 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 a pod and recording um i remember after it happened we all sort of it was good that we managed angelo managed to come down um to London as soon as sort of we were able to and the situation with, with, with COVID had improved and yeah, it was just, it was good to be around other people who who understood and who were going through things as well. And I, it's a really funny one because you don't, you cannot tell your body how to respond in grief and you don't know what stage of grief you're in until you're in it or until you're coming out of it. and. I, I mean, this this isn't. It's, it's going to sound sort of. Uh, I don't want this to sound sort of more morbid than it is. But like, I I lost my auntie. Um, it was like second mum to me a couple of years ago, and I didn't cry. It was it, it was a long term thing. She she'd had cancer for five or six years, and right when it first started, I remember going home on Christmas, and I was supposed to be going skiing, and I didn't because she was in hospital, and they thought she might they might get she might not survive that year. She survived another five years, five and a half years, and. Um, then I just never cried from the moment she was from like it was probably a week she'd spent fighting because she wanted to see all her cousins and and 
nephews and nieces and grandchildren and children wanted us all to be around there and she never once we were all there and it's time it's time to go and she went and I never cried and I never cried and I was, I was like I was feeling almost guilty for that and I remember when I got to the the funeral I went to the funeral home and I was like saying thank you to everyone for coming and I caught a glimpse of a friend of mine Torian like one of my best friends and I didn't know I did not know he was coming to the reception and that little moment where I'd been caught by something unexpected after having these been tightened up and having this guard up I just broke down in floods of tears and the release of that was it was it's pretty incredible but even then that was just the start of the process didn't cry again and I found myself on holiday like three months later in uh, Vietnam on my own and I was just I just sat there thinking I was pretty pleased with it with like how life was going at that point and yeah it's it's just the tears took over for best part of the day because I just had to let it go and I couldn't tell myself how to do it and I didn't know how to do it and I just you know I had to sort of let that process take over and I think that helped me in part with Nate um, just to try and be around you guys and try and be present with you guys and just to not not apologize for anything not uh blame myself for anything and just sort of try and go through that process and i, I just sort of open up to any of you guys like if what sort of how your sort of feelings went and how your approach to that whole situation went yeah it was it was a really tough one um because similarly to you i i didn't cry until the funeral um, and I think it was one of those where just finding out on that, that Saturday afternoon that I found out and it was one of my best friends and friend of the podcast and one of one of Nate's best friends, Sonny, who told me um, Nate's younger brother was, was trying to get hold of me but hadn't been able to. And when Sonny finally got through to me, he was expectedly in, in floods of tears. Um, and I think he because he is so far removed because he's living in the States, living in Virginia with his family. Um, it really hit him hard because he hadn't seen Nate, hadn't seen any of us in such a long time. And I think with COVID as well, it just made that that distance just feel that much more difficult again. And everyone was saying to me that you don't need to cry. And I was like, I know I don't need to cry and that emotions and, and people grieve in different ways. And I know all of that. I've been to countless funerals, none of a close friend and none of someone around my own age. Um, but I've been to countless funerals and I know that grief works in different and sometimes mysterious ways. But I think as well, because of the length, I mean, it was over four weeks before um, the actual funeral. And when we were getting to that, that third, fourth week and I hadn't cried, I was kind of starting to think, well, am I emotionally void? Is there something wrong with me? Um, but I think it was just really, and, and this probably goes to all of us, is we've had to deal with so much trauma and so much emotion this past year um, in particular. And having to deal with that alongside having to grieve for one of your, one of your good friends, these things individually need space to process them and none of us had that space none of us are having that space his poor family they barely have that space his poor girlfriend she doesn't have that space and it's how do you really start to 
come to terms with these emotions and everything that's happened. Um, and it wasn't until the funeral itself. So he was cremated back in West Yorkshire. Um, and it was only when at the end of the service, um, we all got to say our individual goodbyes to Nate, to his casket, um, that it really hit me. And the one emotion that was overarching for me was unfairness. It just, it feels, it felt just so unfair. Um, I think we'll all agree <laughs> that Nate was always a pleasure to be around. He was never anything other than that. And each and every single person that I've spoken to that knew or at the very least met Nate, they all had amazing things to say about him. Even those who only met him on a couple of fleeting um, encounters from the kid that I met when we were playing basketball in, in Huddersfield back, what, 12, 13 years ago to the <laughs> the guy that used to follow us around in nightclubs when he came up as a freshman. We were a couple of years in at uni by this point. Um, and getting to know him more and more through the years and seeing that there was so there was so much more to that kid that I only knew through playing basketball. And because he was younger than me, I didn't really know him. We just scrimmaged a few times and he was Sonny's mate. Um, and it's when we used to sit down in Newcastle and Morse when we started this, this podcast um, and we sat down and we had the conversations that we did that I understood, Nate, I understood how driven he was, how intelligent he was, how well read he was, how multifaceted he is, he was, and that, that's going to take some getting used to. Um, and it's just, it's just so unfair because he had so much, so much to live for, so much good that was coming to him. I mean, everyone in the Northeast, the design innovation scene, everyone held him in such high regard. And if you just look to some of the, some of the words that were said, some of the tributes that were pouring out when, when the news became public about what had happened, he affected everyone's life in such a bright way. He made me feel so good about myself when I was with him. Like he used to always, whenever we'd be recording, and we'd come down to London and we'd we'd get a, a few moments together. He used to always say to me, and I, I'm never one to be able to take a compliment well. Um, I'm, it's something I'm trying to get better at. And he used to always say that getting to know me at university was one of the reasons that he drove himself to be as academic as he was because part of him thought university was, okay, you do a bit of studying, but it's party, party, party. And he said it was through meeting me and through having conversations with me that he saw that you could really strike a balance between the two and you can really make some of, something of yourself through the academia and I mean when all, all was said and done his qualifications compared to mine <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous he is one of the, the one of the, the the most qualified people that I know with degrees and masters coming out of his arse um but he was just always one to build his people up, one to connect with, collaborate with. If we were talking about something that one of my friends was developing um, and Nate could potentially help or point him in the direction of somebody that could help him if Nate couldn't, he was always the first to offer himself up for that. Um, so it's, it's just, it's unfair. It's unfair. And sometimes I catch myself when I'm laughing and joking in a moment or I'm thinking about exciting things that are happening in my future um, and, it, and that's that's when it hits me it's like it's unfair that, that Nate 
hasn't had the chance to to go and um, to go and appreciate these things for himself. Bro, it's funny when they say people say, like in a disparaging way, your degree is going to keep you warm. If you took his research papers, they would keep your family warm in eternity. This we are talking about a man who's had papers and, and and research papers and theses, and honestly, I tell you what, post-it notes, post-it notes have taken a real hit. Have taken a real hit because if anyone who's followed Nate's Instagram, that boy when he was on a project, when you saw him, the way he sort of mapped things out, I was like, this, this guy, I was like, he's 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 on his job, he's on his job. But yeah, I mean. Just to sort of bring a bit of lights there, but I, I echo that sort of feeling of unfairness, and I think we're going to sort of talk about it more later on. It, he was just at the start, just at the start of his journey. I think um, one of the things I've been reflecting on, just kind of thinking about the conversation, because I think that one of the things that kind of really has kind of stood out to me is how many people felt like they had a real close relationship with him. Um, and it's because I really. Uh, he, he, I don't need to talk about my re- relationship with him. He, he put that work in, you know. Um, I don't think, like, just as an example of the kind of guy that he was, I don't think Black Boris would have continued without him, like, after almost every video, just being like, bro, you've got to keep doing what you're doing. Um, I'm sh- everyone I'm showing it to, they love it. My mum loves it. Keep going, like, you're on job, like, retweeting. But, 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 the thing is, is like the the public, the front facing stuff is always nice when people do that. But when people then kind of come back to you and like, "Yo, bro, what you're doing is amazing," and um, like me and him had been speaking, we were going to be collabing on some like um, educational projects. But what really stood out was just his outward focus. Just he kind of, you know, in basketball kind of terms. He was the point man. He just wanted to make sure everybody else was getting buckets because there just seemed to be that real uh, recognition that if everybody wins, then everybody wins. Um, and I kind of, I, I that when I found out, it kind of it hit me really hard. Obviously, it hit everybody really hard. But I'd been on like a full kind of. Uh, communications blackout like I kind of know what it is to struggle with mental health and I've gone through it before and kind of one of the ways I try and kind of look after myself is just from time to time it's like the phone's got to go off the computer's got to go off the TV's got to go off and it's uh, you know it's that um, gets lyric you know when man was in the mountains Charles couldn't find man with cerebral that's kind of where I was and so when I came out of that and um, it was it was Dan that told me it just it punched me in a way that I knew well that you guys can you know definitely can can understand and I think that the thing that punched me the most was just knowing that you know um, a, a basketball team doesn't really work without a point guard it doesn't work without somebody that's there slapping backs that's kind of like Nate made me want to do better and be better. Um, like when he found out about like the Netflix gig, he was excited, but he was also like, "I told you, I told you this was where you were going. This is only the start. This is only the start." And yeah, it's it's it is really sad, but um, 
and and Dom, I think you said this to me when we were up there. It's like he he lived many lives in that twenty eight. There are people that are four times older than him who haven't uh, affected as many people, who haven't touched as many people's lives, and it's just going to be. It's one of those where just kind of trying to um, adjust and get used to this uh, this this sense of you know what it's going to be is is going to be tough. But I think knowing that it's going to be tough at least in a way makes it makes it bearable. But mm. yeah, I just I just I just miss little things like like when we did those sound clashes and just kind of. <laughs> Like just, I've gone back and I've gone back and watched them, and just you just see somebody that that loved what he loved, and you know I kind of obviously have this reputation of being a little bit um, coloring outside the lines a little bit when it comes to some of my musical taste. Hard and and reputation. reputation. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is it. Is like me and Dan or me and Don will kind of go back at it and his bloody guts, but. They had this way of just kind of just giving the little shake of the head and just being like, you're going to ask for that. And you just be like, oh, now I'm in trouble. Because the thing is, is like, you know, it's that, it's, that, it's that Bernie Mac thing. You know, me and Dom can do that kind of, you know, I'll blow this motherfucker up. You're, like, you, you're, just, you're just chatting loud. And it's like, <laughs> when a guy just looks at you and just gives you that, I'm, I'm not even mad, I'm disappointed. <laughs> but that's a bit different. And it's just little things like that. And, you know, going back to that kind of point guard analogy, it's like you don't. The annoying thing is, is that you don't realise what you've lost sometimes until it's gone. But I think I knew it instantly, and that's that's yeah. very rare for me. I don't often; it doesn't often hit me straight away. Um, and then one of the other things I just want to say is that um, I think that one of the natural things that people feel, and we we spoke about this, is that kind of sense of guilt of. Could I have done more? Could I have said more? And one of the things that I do feel very calm about, very not a piece, but as just a piece as I can be, is is Nate knew Nate knew how much yeah. we we love them, and um, you know I'll speak for myself, but I know that I'm speaking for others. Like some of the last message, well, the last message that I sent to him was checking up on him, and mm-hmm. I know that's the same for other people as well, and and it's just kind of. Um, I think that's important because I think that for people that are going through something similar, um, I think one of the easiest things to do is to kind of beat yourself up and say, what if I did, what if yeah. I did? Nate knew that he was loved. Nate Nate knew that he was loved by his family. Uh, Nate knew that he was loved by his friends. And this, you know, it's, it's, it's a mental illness. It's, it's no different to suffering from any other kind of ailment in the body. And... I think it's really important for people to kind of hear and understand that because, um, it you know it's it's not anybody, any individual person's fault. That's that's how I feel about it. I I agree completely because I I had the same Nate and I had spoken a week beforehand, um, and he said that he was he was coming out of a pretty dark time, um, and I actually messaged him on the night that he passed. Um, I sent him an album, and that's music is what a lot of mine and Nate's relationship revolved around. Um, and the second that I got the news from Sonny and then spoke to Nate's brother Matty, I was just obviously thinking, well, what if I didn't send him that message and I just called him? But as you say, Angelo, um, one of my good friends, Jess, she works um, with 
with a charity for grieving young adults and she put it in a brilliant way for me it's just it's the final symptom of a mental illness and like you say it is no it is no different from any other symptom to a physical ailment it's just this is what happens and obviously it doesn't it, it doesn't necessarily make it any easier for those that are left behind but it's understanding that it, it, it's you can you can kind of start to come to terms with it a little bit a little bit sooner perhaps but yeah and I, I feel exactly what you're saying there yeah yeah I mean that's that's only natural right to to wonder like oh if if I had just maybe reached out a bit earlier if I had said the exact right thing at the right time like maybe it would have been different and I even remember like the day after you told me Dom so Dom told me the news on the Saturday and I think it was like the next Sunday and it was like this gorgeous day in London and it was like the first really beautiful day that we had had um coming out of winter and I even had that thought of like you know if he had just made it to this day like would that have even made any difference and then I don't know immediately after felt like well there's no I mean it doesn't help to think you know what if um and I think that's kind of how what my response was was Yes, letting all of the feelings come up, letting the grief come up, um, but then also trying to go straight to remembrance and celebration and honoring. And it's funny, so I actually lost um, someone else last year who was quite young. He was my first boyfriend and one of my best friends um, when I was younger. And when I heard about his his passing, um, suddenly it was like all of these memories had come back to my mind. It was like I could remember him as if I had just seen him the day before or I had, as if, you know, no time had passed and like all of these little nuances about our relationship. And um, the same thing happened with Nate. Like I didn't know Nate obviously as closely as you guys did. I didn't know him as long as you guys knew him. But he made enough of an impact on me and his presence was so significant that I really felt, I really felt it. Um, I really felt that loss as well. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about Nate was he was so empathetic. And that's a quality that I really appreciate in other people is that empathy. I remember we had only done one recording together and after that recording he said to me he was like you are very thoughtful um and very transparent to the point of it being like disarming but he meant it in a really good way and i just thought it was so interesting that he had listened to what i had said enough in that recording that he was able to make an assessment of my character and i just felt an instant connection with Nate and um you know Don said that one of the words that came up to came up for him in going to his funeral was unfair which I totally agree with but one of the things that kind of came up for me was almost like I don't know like unreal because Nate was so um he always talked about the importance of mental 
well-being and self-care and that was a topic that we connected on immediately um it was something that we had wanted to talk about in the podcast and i think between the two of us we always went back to you know self-care and being kind to yourself and looking after yourself and looking after others and destigmatizing um mental health issues and topics and so it's almost like a it just seemed unreal that somebody who could be so passionate about that subject could be battling with his own demons in that area so much but then maybe it's because of his experience um that he was able to talk with such compassion and kindness about you know the subjects of of mental health which is something that i really appreciated because you know like like angela and maybe like the other guys on the pod um i've definitely suffered with my fair share of dark days and um yeah, it's just a topic that I'd really like to for people to talk about more um, because it's so important. Um, and so, yeah, I guess just moving forward for me now, I I really want to honor those things, those those virtues that I saw in Nate, those virtues of compassion, of empathy, of really attempting to understand and see others and to hype them up and big them up and just to be a vehicle of love and joy for the people that I encounter because he certainly was that for me. Yeah, he really was. He was a vessel. He was a vessel for, for all that was good. And it's, I mean, when you think about it, just from the way we've spoken from the way other people spoken like I say Dom when those when the news did come in and we've all got like the Instagram or the Twitter app on our phones and it was it, it's I wish I could describe for people how how it felt to to sit and watch the comments and the responses from his friends and from his colleagues and from people who just listened to the podcast to that news and how they felt and and the interactions and that like that the way that made me feel um it lifted me it it lifted me uh, you know a lot even though like I didn't necessarily know how to sort of feel myself at the time because you you know, you're sort of battling with that this isn't real but mm. what, like it's that is left what I'm left with now that that sort of how he made other people feel and and I just don't think it'd be possible for us to ever for him to ever know how people felt like just because he had that much of a positive impact he wouldn't believe it he would not believe it in any way if we, if, if, we, if we line them up down the street and they all said it one by one he'd be like this is you're, you're taking the piss yeah um, well, just to put it in context like uh, my boyfriend, who I don't think ever even met Nate, but was familiar with his voice, the podcast, was devastated, like cried harder than I did <laughs> like when he heard about it. Because and like that's the kind of impact and presence that Nate had that even through a voice recording that he could obviously. He just had a real presence like I, I don't really have the words for it right now but he just really had a presence that i think is really rare mm. um that you could even sense just over the airwaves i think the the big thing um that really lifted me was when his family set up the the gofundme 
um, to help give him a proper send-off. And they had the target of 5,000. I think it was like near enough 15,000 before before a day had passed. Um, and it was just the tributes that were coming along with the donations were just just absolutely unbelievable. But I didn't expect anything less. I didn't expect anything less because that's the kind of person he was. And, it, and it's funny whenever I think back to Nate and I know everyone has their own little their own little memories and snippets that they go back to. I have a lot of memories of Nate that I could pick up if I needed to, but the only thing that ever comes to my mind is just his little his little squeal laugh. That <laughs> that little high, high pitched cackle thing that he did. Um and uh, Laura, his girlfriend, um, I've spoken to her a few times, as you can imagine, and and that's one of the things that we've just we've just continuously gone back to. It's that there are no negative memories, and she actually sent me yesterday or, or the day before just a little video of him, and you can't actually see anything in the video. He's obviously watching something, and she was recording by accident, and you can just hear him giggling his ass <laughs> off to whatever is on the television, <laughs> and that is. That is what keeps going back into my mind, just those little giggles that I'd have. And it was just so infectious. You can't hear it without laughing. And just coming back to uh, Angela, you brought this up um, when we were around at his mum's house after the funeral. The, uh, the the little look and the little comment that he gave after you picked Vibes Cartel in our Valentine's, <laughs> <laughs> Valentine's Day draft is actually one of the funniest moments on the podcast. I'll clip it up and put it in there. But Nate, after Jello says Vibes Cartel, Nate just goes, what? <laughs> after a little pause. <laughs> and that little what is better than anything else that follows. And that's what Nate was like. It was just that that little cutting moment. He knew exactly what to say and when to say it to really get a reaction. He's oh, he was a funny dude, man. He was a funny dude. Oh yeah, and just the heavy, heavy breathing on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, I actually in in the service, I almost started laughing because his brothers, his brother, so his. So Nate was the oldest of three and the youngest of his two brothers, um, Lewis, he had um, written some words which were read out for him and, and Matty read out um, a tribute to Nate as well. And in Lewis's, he referred to Nate's Darth Vader breathing. <laughs> and I almost burst out laughing because the amount of times I've come to edit this podcast I'd just been sat in my in my chair, giving it all the blood clots this and mother. If you don't get a, a new microphone by the time we record next, and and I said it to I said it to a couple of people um, when I was thinking back to those those times of editing. I was like, what I wouldn't give for just one more time to be able to curse Nate out for his breathing and for his poor microphone quality. I'd give anything for just one more one more go. The conversations yeah, yeah, me and you have had that uh, Dom, where it's like. But Dom's like, Andrew, why haven't you got the file over to me yet? Because of Nate! <laughs> like, this guy, has he got bronchitis or something? All I can hear is he's breathing. Then when he laughs, he blows his mic out. <laughs> but the most tech savvy among us, but was using like Windows 95 or whatever equipment. Oh, man. Right, but, I mean. I was, I was just gonna say, it's the time he brought his boy, he brought Oliver on, he brought Q on, and you had Nate heavy breathing like Darth Vader and Q eating pizza. I was like, these two are a pair. <laughs> <laughs> Mid pod, Q had ordered delivery pizza. Delivery. That's that's the important part of the story. It wasn't like he kind of just got it from an oven. 
This man had the liver root in the middle of it, and he's just... <laughs> Bro, when you can scratch and cut like he can, there are no rules. There are no Bro, rules. Bro, this is it. He, he dropped an absolute gem, and then he's like, then he's just like, yeah, cheers, thanks. And then, <laughs> and then obviously, he's, he's on the screen. So everyone's like, is that, have you just had a pizza delivered to that room? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to eat it off mic, though. I was just like, oh, fantastic. Those man, they made they made Newcastle their own man. They um they changed the game up there. Honestly, I, I fully fully believe that the scene in Newcastle, the likes of Nate, the likes of Ollie, one hundred percent, they have a massive massive impact on the way that Newcastle's nightlife and and design and music scene looks right now because of how influential they all are as a group. And I tell you what, I used to love going out with them, but hate it in equal measure. Because each and every one of them, man, Nate probably as your number one. Ollie wasn't far behind him, and Sonny, Sonny can move for a big guy. These guys must have, after ball practice, got into a line in front of a mirror and practiced how to doggy, practice how to do this. Because them man would be going into the club, one song drops, and it's like a full, it's like an Usher video, man, full routines going on. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, part of me wants to join in. But then the other part of me knows that I can't handle a rave and I cannot handle sweating in a rave. Um, and it was just, it was something to see. It was something to see, man. And the amount of time, the amount of attention that they get and girls would be coming up to them and they're like, nah, man, we're just dancing. <laughs> it's like we're coming here to listen to the music and vibe out. You lot need to move. That, this, was, this was pre-TikTok. They let the hips drop before TikTok. They, really, they would be killing it now. If TikTok was a thing back in 2011, they would be getting millions of views. Mad thing. So, like, obviously, you- I feel that it's uh, important to, in the tradition of a podcaster and, you know, what Nate would want. we got to give him some corn, though, because, uh, like, you guys have rinsed me for some of my music choices, but I cannot let this episode go by without the worst musical selection in anything we've ever done. And you guys know what I'm going to say. Remember when he dropped the Logic track <laughs> in the end of year? We, we did like, was it 2018? 2000, I think it was 2018. Yeah. We were like, what best tracks that have been released this year? And it was like Cautious Clay. We had like Dom Kennedy. Uh, we had Nipsey Hussle. And then Nate in the middle of it dropped Logic. But what I love, two things I love. One, he knew from the next, from the next pod that he messed up. But what I also loved was that he stood by it. And I was just like, yeah, no, but you know, that was rubbish. He's like, I don't care. I liked it. And that's one of the things that kind of always, I always respect about a person where it's like, do you know what? Uh, this is me. And if you don't like it, here's a straw. Go and use it to sub. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, I just really like that kind of, in the, like that that comfort in who you are and what you like, I think is, is quite rare in somebody, in, in, in lots of people. And I kind of just respect that at all times, Nate was, was Nate. To, to knit that to the story which preceded it immediately, like, I mean, Nate loved to dance. And as we said, he loved to support his boys. Q was his boy. I, would, I don't know where I'd been. I must have been like at a wedding or a stag or something. And I walked into Spy Bar in Jesmond. <laughs> in Newcastle on a bank holiday and anyone that's been there on a bank holiday knows how that gets down day parties it's disgusting oh my goodness and it was about 2pm in the afternoon so it's just kicking into life 
and I knew he was there, so I thought I'll go, go and try and find him. And my mates were in a different bar, and I went to the right, and it wasn't there. And I could like, I, I, the music would come from somewhere, so I went through into the back, and Q was on. I was like, still can't see him. And then it's like, there's like a gap at the front, and then there's just Nate, just <laughs> just ra- he's raving like it is two a.m. <laughs> Man, he's raving. I'm like, he must be mashed. And he literally turns around and like, hey, Joe, how's it going, mate? And he's just like completely, completely sober. And everyone else is like, what's wrong with you, boy? I was like, I have absolutely no idea. He just loved to vibe. And, you know, most people would have been ashamed of doing that. But yeah, he was, he was just, he was on his scene. It was bank holiday, on his patch, just loving life, embracing it. And uh, yeah. Shout out Q on a bank holiday. He knows how to throw down. When I sort of, I mean, you said we should, we we can't let this go without giving him a bit of corn. The, the, the thing, funny thing is, Angelo is how little corn there is relatively. And I think obviously he's on a pod here with you. He's on a pod here with me, and he's on a pod here with Dom. And he does. I think he's done very well in letting us pretty much mutually destroy each other and somewhat flying beneath that radar as we <laughs> as we demolish each other but I mean I, I've I've got nothing but I've, I've really as, as Dom said and I think we're just going back to sort of when we first heard like I, I've got nothing but sort of good memories about you know the times the times that we were with this guy like well, we we went to uh New Jersey to Sonny's wedding a couple of years back and this was the first time I properly met him and honestly I think Dom can tell the story later we might have told it on a pod before about what happened when they went out in New York um that is a story which 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 you know possibly we'll never see the light of day come on come on I know New York was not ready I'll tell you after Alana if you a tale, for just five a tale pounds. Of some Newcastle boys. <laughs> we can just cut that bit in for just five pounds. You can buy. Um, yeah, but like, like as I say, when I got to New York, we, we were all going out. These guys were a couple of days in. I'd been in Glastonbury like for five days before, so I was already running. I was coming in hot, and this was the first time I met Nate. And the weird thing was, like, although we immediately took to each other, we were just like, we were arguing, like, like literally, like, just, I, people say, like, cats and dogs, just like dogs and dogs, like, dogs <laughs> and dogs that, 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 you know, like, barking each other, biting each other, and then licking each other, essentially. And this sort of came to a head. I think it was the second Lions game, the second Lions test match against New Zealand. And we were arguing in our pants. I can't even remember about what it was, but just like circling each other, ready to throw down. And Dom was just like, just like, what? What are you guys doing? I've never been more confused in my life. It was <laughs> madness. <laughs> that was that was my reaction as well. I was like, what? What? What are you? What are you both doing? What's going? On? What's going on? It made no sense. I, I can't. I can't tell you what we're arguing about, and I can't tell you how it ended but I just I, I distinctly remember as just like realising how, situ- how ridiculous the situation was and uh, yeah I think from that moment on I thought this guy this guy is a keeper he's an absolute keeper 
one of one of my favorite moments with Nate and <laughs> I think one moment that highlights his wit and his cutting nature it also happened on that trip so we were up I don't know somewhere on on Long Island um and we were playing ball me him and Sonny and we played ball with and against each other hundreds of, if not thousands of times we played a lot of basketball together and we played one on one on one we basically played king of the court and I won, surprisingly, because both of those guys could ball out. And I remember gloating, being like, yeah, as if you guys have let the oldest man here win this, you guys are washed. And they just went, yeah, but you're the oldest. (laughs) And that that was it for me. That was it. You just had a way of, you know, yeah, you're getting out of pocket a little bit. Let me just bring you back a level or two. And he was amazing at that. And that shut my ass down straight away. And I just need to say as well for everyone, if you've met Nate and you've seen his stature, not the tallest of guys, but this guy back in the day had hops. He could jump out of a building. My man, what? On a good day, he was five foot nine. On a good day. And I've seen him on a fast break, two hand tomahawking. And I'd heard rumors that he could dunk. I'd heard vicious rumors. And when I saw it in play, Honestly, I, I wanted to get him get him looked at for doping because the hops that he had were absolutely ridiculous, man. My guy could play. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, like, kind of, we always talked about, me and him talked the most about how it was going to be ugly when we played one-on-one for the other person. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> small things like that where you're like, ah, oh, damn, like, that would have been cool. But, um, yeah, he... he you Yeah, going back to what you were saying, Dan, like, with all the kind of shots that were fired, we very rarely turned our artillery towards Nate. And I think sometimes people can just give off that vibe. Like, if you come at the king, you best not miss. <laughs> mm. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, me, and, me, you and Dom are there just like two boxers that are just throwing hard punches for 10 rounds because we don't really have power. And meanwhile, he's over there being like, I might throw four punches around, but it's going to be over quick. But yeah, man. Miss him, miss him, miss him a lot. Okay, so I think it won't be Black in the Box without us um, bringing some music into it to close it out. It's, it's a huge part of who he was, and it's a huge part of this podcast. So, I think we'll just line up a track each, which reminds us of Nate in some way. Some of them got stories to them, others haven't. I'm going to go first. And because it's truly because it's going to be very, very unexpected. And I, I, was, I was thinking a lot about, you know, what I was going to choose. And I remember when I was digging through my videos um, after it passed to just, you know, it's, it's just what you do. You know, you sort of look at, look at the different sort of memories you've got. And I'd completely forgotten about this day. I'd completely forgotten about it. But me... Dom and Nate had gone to On Blackheath Festival and we'd gone to see The Roots and obviously The Roots are absolutely amazing and we were we were well oiled by the time Jim Meriquai arrived on stage and we, I don't think any of us actually knew was coming on I mean I'm not sure JK knew what he's, if he's coming or not. He, he was not. He was not in a good way himself. But th- this video is of me and him, me 
landing about 65% of each word before I just added, added my uh, ending syllable on. So that was, you know, that was the, that was sort of the last sort of festival I got with him uh, and the last sort of musical experience I got with him. And, you know, it's just, yeah, I'll always hold that dear to my heart. Angelo. So for me, there's obviously loads, but the one that I, it was, um, when we were doing the clashes last year, Nate got the number one pick for 90 to 94, and we all did the same thing, you know, we'd put our lists together, and I remember putting my list together, and then immediately just crossing a track off, because I'm like, Nate's playing this number one, there's no, like, I have, it's like, it's like having the third pick in the 2003 NBA draft, you can dream about LeBron all you want, but you ain't getting him, um, and so it was one of those that, and I remember it, um, he kind of was like, yeah, first pick, the mystery of chess boxing. I just went, yep. Bro, I'ma give it to you, with no trivia. Roll like cocaine straight from Bolivia. My hip hop will rock and shock the nation. Like the emancipation proclamation. I didn't, the thing is, normally I'd be like, oh yeah, great pick. I was like, yeah, no, I knew it. Like, you're going to do it. So, yeah, the mystery of chess boxing. Um, but I'm going to be cheeky and throw in another one because the one that made me laugh more, though, was when we did. Was it 95 to 99 or 2000 to 2004 where he played Gravel Fit? And again, this just speaks to him where it's like, come on, you know this track is rubbish. He's like, don't ever try and test me on Wu-Tang. And I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> I, I respect it. I respect it. But yeah, the mystery of chess boxing uh, with a side with a side serving of uh, Gravel Fit. Magnificent. Alana? Yes, well, I took inspiration um, from what I assume Nate's family chose for him when I was watching uh, the stream of his funeral. Uh, and I only laugh because I'm like, this song that they chose for the opening for people to walk in is exactly right. And that is Regulators. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warmer G was on the streets, trying to consume some skirts for the Eve, so I could get some phones rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. <laughs> and I was like, this motherfucker has regulators at this event. Like, that is just so perfect. Uh, and I think if anyone has a song deserving of that to like epitomize you, you as a person, it's got to be Nate. That's a great choice. Finally, Dom. Yeah, so I'm like Angelo. I'm I'm going to do an Alana here and pick two because I want to pick two. Um, the first of which, this is a fleeting memory I have from being in Tuk Tuk Palace, for those of you who are, who are aware of Newcastle's nightlife scene and have seen Geordie Shaw more than one time. Um, and it was the summer probably 2012 maybe 2013 when good music did that compilation album and they had the track click and i remember nate being in there with us and when the chorus comes in anybody fucking with my click 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 just pointing to all of his boys at each of the clicks click 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 i was like yes i can't i can't not i can't not think of nate whenever i hear that song now um and secondly there was a lot of great music to pick from um, through our years of knowing each other. But one song which I know that he loved and I similarly loved and should have been the song of the summer, whichever year it came out, 
is Gold Link Crew. She see money all around me. I look like I'm the man. Yeah, but I was counting up like last week. Tell me where have you been? Um, I just remember this, the first time he played me that song. He was like, "Yo, Banger. bro, this song is Banger. huge." And it is huge. It is a massive, massive tune. So yeah, Gold Link Crew. On repeat, always, yep. every summer. Absolutely. <sighs> so hopefully you've managed to get some insight into, into Nate. And for those of you that know him, hopefully it's prompted you to, to smile a bit and just, you know, be be kind of... Be, be at peace with who he was and how everyone felt about him and sort of the legacy and impact that he's going to have um, every single just, one of us should just be grateful for the fact that we got as many years or as many months or whatever however many however many whatevers we could share with, with Nate we just all need to be thankful that we got those times absolutely I'll share nothing left to say thanks guys take care everyone Love you guys.